Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined as always by Brian Gottlieb. And my man, we have uh, a few weeks into the standard format. Our metagame is set. We've had a few tournaments happen already. There are more coming down the pipeline. How are you feeling so far? Okay. I feel okay. That's, I, I think that's honestly not bad. That's not a bad answer. Yeah. Uh I I I mean, give me this versus last standard, and it's this in a absolute crushing landslide, miles better. Maybe, uh, maybe that was the plan all along. I yeah, I mean, by comparison, it's it's incredibly great. Uh I am actively playing and enjoying magic again i was i was a mythic gamer this season which i i can't even tell you the last time i played enough to actually hit that uh very distinguished threshold so is it over already or did you just give up uh it it just reset okay it just reset yeah are you still supposed to be top whatever i don't even know if that matters anymore does that matter uh, I mean, I they just announced the the PTQs. I know that there's a sealed one like middle of October, and then historic is end of October. So I would assume that you're ranking. Yeah, no, it has to have something to do with it because my friend messaged me and was like, "When does the season end?" And I was just like, "Lol, I don't, I don't know." <laughs> I assume end of month, and, he, and then he said that he was like top seven hundred or whatever. So yeah, yeah, it's got to count. Okay, I I don't think I made this season. I was just getting into the numbers uh, when we got around the end, so I I doubt I qualified for that one. But still, just the fact that I played enough to get to that level from I was definitely bronze. Like, there's no way I had any ranks prior to that. Right? Yeah, uh, that usually does not happen in a month for me, and that's rooted entirely in how much I'm enjoying myself. I enjoyed myself quite a bit, but I do think that we know the limits of this format. And I think we will always know the limits of this format as long as Alrin's Epiphany is around, uh, to a lesser extent, as long as Asika's Chariot plus Renin 7 is around. I, I don't think those things can really change. And it feels way better than something like Emergent Ultimatum, for sure. But still the idea of there is this six drop which you must interact with or close the game prior to that. Otherwise, everything that happened up until that point is irrelevant. It's so bad. It's so bad. It, it's just like it's not the way the game is designed to be played. And it's it's weird, too, because you get it on two angles now with Epiphany. You get it on the Goldspan Dragon into Epiphany where they just have no battlefield and they 20 you. And you get it in the... Uh, iteration galvanic iteration into epiphany side on control where they have no battlefield whatsoever and you just never get another turn again when they hit you know whatever threshold they need to hit sometimes it's eight mana sometimes it's a little bit more than that but there's plenty of scenarios where the game just ends on the spot if they survive till that point and invalidates everything that happens before that and i understand that games need to end i don't think epiphany is the correct way of doing that they, sh- they shouldn't end in that way also correct. not where it's like you go from correct. nothing to your opponent is dead i think that i don't know may- maybe this is not the best example but something like aetherling where sure it comes down and then kills you over three turns or whatever is fine but uh, aetherling also did stuff for just like invalidated a lot of counterplay too so it's like kind of similar you know what i mean yeah but it's at least like that isn't it right like the the etherling hitting the table 
it doesn't invalidate what happened before that point. If you have your opponent at a low life threshold, you've gotten wide and they play Etherling. True. You yes. win. Like That's a fine state to be in. If you get wide, got your opponent at a low life total, and they galvanic iteration their Alrin's Epiphany, you probably don't get another turn. Yeah, they, they actually have to deal with your board somewhat right. when trying to kill you with Easterling, and that is not the case with a lot of these Epiphany variants, and that's why you see a lot of them playing like Fading Hope and Divide by Zero instead of actual removal spells because right. they just need time, right? Yeah, and you know, I, I stated my case on Twitter. I, I, I do think one more ban. <laughs> I, I know, I, I understand we've, we've been through this a lot, and I wouldn't even bother making the case if it was old standard and there were just layers upon layers upon layers of problems. And look, I don't I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but every single time there was a ban, we said what was going to happen next. Like, OK, you banned wilderness reclamation. Now we're going to fires. OK, we got rid of fires. Now we're going to. Uro. It was just clear. It was clear what was going to happen at each step along the way. I think if Epiphany were to leave this format and maybe chariot as well although i'm a little bit i'm more forgiving of that card just because of how it interacts with the game but i do think it chews up a lot of the real estate uh for deck building and for what is actually viable so in a perfect world i probably get rid of that too but it, it's less necessary but regardless as long as these things are present we can't really have this fully defined metagame and alan's epiphany is so problematic because it begets itself and what I mean by that is, yes, there are ways to answer Alvin's Epiphany. Everyone likes to tweet at me, what about Negate? What about Test of Talents? What about Disdainful Stroke? Sure, those, those cards are great. What color are they? They're blue. And the only way to interact with this card is blue. And if you're playing blue cards, you know what's a really good blue card? Alvin's Epiphany. So now you've created this feedback loop where yeah. the blue decks are just feeding into themselves and you get more and more of the metagame taking up the share and it becomes more and more inbred. And it, it just snowballs out of control very quickly when the only answer to a thing is in the color where that thing exists. Uh, and it's a good top end everywhere. Like any deck that is looking to produce that much mana, you know, I, I built all these blue decks that didn't have Epiphany on the top end because I'm like, well, I'll, I'll play a tempo game. I'll close out with this dragon here and we don't have to get to that point. And like, I believed it. I, I thought it made sense. But as time went on, it's just like, no, I should just play Epiphany. I, I don't know why I'm trying to do this. It's too powerful to ignore. Yeah. The, the only times where I was like blue and knew that not playing Epiphany was right is like, if, if you're playing a lot of Storm the Festivals and need you know your permanent count up or whatever. But for any other blue deck, at least right now, you play like three to four Epiphany's main deck and you're probably better off than you were before. Yeah, so I, I agree with you about that approach to Storm the Festival. And then I put out on Epiphany my Storm the Festival deck and just made it more of like a Sultai ramp deck. And it felt way better. And I was winning from, you know, no battlefield whatsoever. And I, I just don't know, like... I don't think this is the optimal version of Magic, and I think the cost at this point is kind of low to get rid of this card. And the downside is that we do this for another year, and we've just been through too much. Like, it's too much to ask to put up with anything other than a great standard format. And I do think there's a great standard format lurking below this one thing. So uh, I think now we have a good standard format. This isn't like, emergency, we need to fix this, or things are going to crumble. But I think you have an opportunity to kind of set things off on a right foot with rotation. I would take advantage of it if you gave me the keys to the castle.
Yeah, I mean, we're we're already seeing some metagame shakeups and things like that. So I, I wouldn't mind letting it play out for like a couple more weeks, but it, it's just the best thing to be doing, regardless yeah. of if you're going super hard with Galvanic Iteration or if you're doing kind of like the tempo-y thing with Goldspan Dragon. I think it is almost always going to circle back to that, which is a problem. I agree entirely. And again, that's not to say there's not other things you can do. And we're going to talk about a bunch of decks today, uh, varying degrees of viability. But I've played a lot of things in this format. I have had success with non-epiphany decks. I just think still, despite that fact, you get more percentage points by playing the epiphanies, especially at any moment you're not getting respected. And uh, I also think people are like reticent to go down that trail again because we've done it before and we know the epiphany game and they wanted something different from the standard format but as soon as the stakes get high enough that's going to change and you know let's let's look at what the world's metagame is like and see how many people are playing epiphany there i have a feeling you'll see an uptick uptick even this weekend's star city event where there's a little bit more on the line i just think we're going to see more epiphanies this weekend yeah one surprise me it's it's funny too because like when when that card came out it was like this sort of card is obviously broken, right? It does just break a bunch of rules and we didn't know where it was going to show up. So it was like tentatively on the top 10 list or whatever. Yeah. And then when I started building decks for a new standard, it was also kind of the same way where it was like, I don't know exactly what is the best shell for this deck or this card to go in. So it didn't immediately jump out as oh, this is going to be the best thing by far because it's it's a weird card, right? And especially in the like do nothing kind of is it control deck, it, it just feels like Nexus, basically yes. the way it's built. And yes. having a deck like that was not immediately obvious to me or a lot of people. But the funny thing about this card, and it is shown this multiple times, is that it will find a way. Yeah. If it takes utilizing a bunch of cards that no one is playing or just like showing up in a place that you didn't think it belonged or whatever, Aaron's Epiphany will find a way. Yeah, as as far as like not seeing things right away, I, I will note, and that's not to say like I think I cracked this code, but the first game I played after rotation, I took all the turns with Alrin's Epiphany and Galvanic Iteration. And it was in a teamer shell at that point. And it was just like not that well hidden. I didn't think like the ability to copy a spell alongside a time walk is sort of yeah. messed up, especially with uh, a, a lot of redundancy and the ability to play from the graveyard. And certainly these new lists are much better than what I was doing. But uh, that answer is it was kind of out there for everyone to see. And I, I'm not sure a format can actually bear the presence of those two cards together. I, I don't think it's a net positive. Yeah, you talked about all these people hammering you with questions of negates and disdainful strokes and stuff like that. And it's like, if you're not really doing anything else and they play Galvanic Iteration and then Alrin's Epiphany, what are you doing? Right. Your, your one counter spell doesn't do anything. It does not. You need to double up. And it's it's pretty easy to set up scenarios where you maybe have to triple up because you if you're not pressuring, you can just wait. Uh, it's certainly easy to bring in your malevolent hermits and flip them over in right. a post sideboard game. And then you're questioning, does your opponent have the removal and do they have it in a very specific window? Because you can line this up on one turn and make them have removal spell and counter spell in that one turn. So it, there's just like this kind of 
uh, painful inevitability that this combination has with a lot of really strong backup, a lot of really good redundancy, effective sweepers. It it kind of does it all. I, I guess you can tell what my opinion is on the uh, the control epiphany decks. I, I I think they're quite good. Yes. So uh, this conversation, despite it starting out on a high note where you're like, eh, standard's not bad. It it became kind of depressing. So this is this is a very selfish thing of me to do. I am going to table the is it conversation for now. We'll come back, talk about specifics. Okay. I want to get to the part of the cast that I've been looking forward to where we talk about mono green aggro. Good. I'm excited to talk about mono green aggro because there's there's two decks I played the most on Arena uh, over this past season. It is as it turns. Mono green aggro. And I know, I know those are opposite ends of the spectrum. And it seems like it's a hard case to make that you should be doing mono green aggro. But uh, deck is great. And I'm, I'm very interested to hear your opinion. So they're probably the two best decks, right? I agree. I have them one and two. And I'm, I'm not even sure which one is one and which one is two. I, I know long term, which is more, which has more staying power uh, in this exact moment. I'm not sure which one is one and which one is two. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're talking about best deck in a vacuum i think it's is a deck but if it's like deck to play this weekend maybe it's more mono green than is it i could buy that or you need to switch up your is it deck a little bit which yeah, is we can talk, we can talk about that yeah. when we go back to the is it discussion but i i do want to hear your thoughts on mono green for sure okay so this this is not necessarily my my thoughts on mono green we'll get there i promise okay. uh first things first jasper sentinel in your deck or no no garbage Okay, wonderful. Love to hear it. No one drops then. No one drops, correct. Great. Okay. Second, and I guess third. Uh have you been looking at the Magic Online list at all? Uh not for standard. I, I just kind of wrote off standard on Magic Online. You don't really get too much from it. So so I haven't looked at those lists now. So normally when uh, oh excuse me. I, I saw the challenges. I still check the challenges. I okay. haven't checked the league results. Okay. So normally when uh, I guess I, I, I don't remember uh, after last rotation, but when you look at the standard leagues that get posted, there's like five decks and some mm. of them are like all common white weenie decks because people are win trading because there's no one in the queues. Right. Uh, not to give anyone any ideas, but yeah, don't, uh, <laughs> definitely don't do that and take the free money. That is that is a known thing. And I don't know if they're like cracking down on people for it or not at this point, but I didn't see any, you know all commons decks, but maybe it's because there are more players. Uh, but anyway, the leagues have, you know, like more than 10 deck lists posted. So already that's a good sign. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the challenges uh, last weekend, one of them had mono green in the top four slots. Yeah. And like another in, in top eight, I think. So it's doing pretty well there. Uh, so you saw like unnatural growth, right? This five man enchantment. At the Absolutely. At the beginning of each combat, double, all your creatures power and toughness, right? How do you feel about that card? Don't like it. And I, I think there's a time and a place for it, but what you are giving up is, I, I think the interaction and you're, you're just getting super linear. Now I will say, Dude, I, I love this. I thought about sideboarding it. I've thought about sideboarding it. And okay. I, I think it could be a very strong sideboard option for those spots where it's like, uh, I, I'm not interacting with these Nexus I. What am I going to do about them? I guess they're not Nexus I anymore. I always call them Nexus I. Um, Epiphany. Epiphany, yeah. Uh, what am I? If I'm not going to interact with them, I just need to win the game. And this certainly does it. Like, that is a brutal clock 
Um, so as a sideboard card, I think it's interesting. I will say that the latter metagame, which is what I've been playing in, is not as focused on the best decks as it should be. So in that scenario, I'd rather have the versatility that Mono Green has to play all these different game plans. Now, in something like, you know, the challenges on Magic Online, maybe you could talk me into this being the correct decision for the main deck because it's pretty good in the mirror and it's really good against like, again, the is it turns deck. So if I'm trying to target the two best decks, it does seem pretty appealing. So you talked about how playing this would mean that you would play less interaction. Why is that? Well, slots. I mean, what else? You, you you only have so many bodies, right? And to some extent, I would say that the mono green decks are on the low side of bodies, given what they are. You know, they get them in other ways with the Seekers Chariot, Ren and Seven. Um, but just in terms of having enough bodies to do your thing and still make this card live, I, I don't think you can play a ton of interaction and this card. Okay. Uh, last thing, Tovalar's Huntmaster in the sideboard. You need some option like that. I am playing the stupid frog because I think haste is important. I also think you could play uh, Vorinclex. I haven't played Huntmaster, and I don't think I like it overall. I tried Vorinclex. I think it's okay. I think frog is better. Okay, but that, that is where I'm at right now. But the the thing with unnatural growth is that it is basically like a frog, right? It's just like this haste thing that provides more damage. Yeah. So oh, I buy that. I wasn't I wasn't sure how I felt about it, and it's like it's probably like way more impactful than a frog in the mirror, right? Because they play like Ren, and then you just have this silly frog that can't attack. Yeah, for sure. And Frog is definitely in my sideboard, so I, I wouldn't have that in the mirror. But certainly right. as, as far as like maximizing your slots, if I'm looking at Frog and Unnatural Growth as occupying the same slot, that's a really good case for uh, shifting to a natural growth because you get it in a second matchup as well. All right. So here here's my experience with Mono Green. I started uh, like when when the when it the set got released, right? It was like, all right, I'll try these gruel decks. Okay, well. What I really wanted was better interaction. Mm -hmm. And I switched over to mono green because I also wanted to be able to cast werewolf pack leader on turn two consistently. Right. That drove me crazy about the gruel decks for sure. Yeah. And blizzard brawl is very, very good. It's just one of the best pieces of interaction in the format if you're able to utilize it. And mono green does that. Does it very, very well. I would play like eight copies of that card if I could. So... I started with just like some some basics lists. I, I I didn't like get too fancy or anything. Did pretty well. Determined the deck was very good, and then just bounced off it to go work on other stuff. Right. Okay. And then these tournament results start coming in. You see like the unnatural growths and like all all these techie cards pop up. So I put a few of them in my deck and uh, you know played some matches on ladder and was quickly just like very very confused like. Obviously, unnatural growth is powerful. And you think, think about it, you have like a werewolf pack leader or uh, even just like an old growth troll or something. Like, yeah. Certainly, the stuff with trample really matters a lot. Pack leader, it just means that it gets to trigger itself. If you get swept against control, then you have that card with creature lands or, or chariot yep. or whatever. Yep. You know, it's like it, seem, it seems like potentially very good. And then, yeah, you play against something like the mirror match. And how do you sideboard? What is your game plan? Do you want 
all these unnatural growths to like make your bodies bigger? Or are you on the plan of, you know, you start blizzard brawls, a couple inscription of abundance. And then a lot of the lists have like the other two inscriptions in the sideboard. And then, you know, two more fights or whatever. And is your plan to like get some traction, get some creatures in play, clear your opponent's blockers, win that game? Or is it just like, you know, board stalls and then you win it with unnatural growth? Because if they're doing the like the flip side of just like trying to get traction and kill your stuff with fights, then your unnatural growth is probably not going to hold the ground. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as I got to sideboarding against a mirror and like was trying to like configure my deck, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, bad cards out, good cards in or whatever. It's like, what is my actual plan? I was just like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. And that's when you gave up on the the unnatural growth plan. Uh, see, I don't think it's bad, though. That's the thing. And and maybe it is just like, don't bring it in the, in the mirror. Or maybe it's just like a better game one card in the mirror or something. Mm-hmm. But I was like, none of this makes sense. It just doesn't. Yeah, I, well, one of the things that has drawn me to mono green uh, as much as I have been, which I, I really did not expect, is that it's a good control deck. And I know that sounds weird when you're looking at these big, dumb creatures and these huge bodies, but like... Tarmogoyf is the best Doomblade. Right. Your your long game is really good. You have all this card draw in the form of Werewolf Pack Leader, Ranger Class, uh, Old Growth Troll is extremely, extremely resilient. You have these shenanigans you get up to with Chariot. I, I also am curious, I think this is a really important point of distinction among the mono green lists. Where are you on Ren and Sevens? I, I started with them because I wanted to do Chariot, Ren and Seven stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the more that is it started showing up, the less I was interested in that card. And okay. it was just like, I got to find a one drop or something. Not not like Jasper Sentinel, but like something that maybe can actually attack for damage. Okay. And I'm, I'm uh, four and four. I have, I have four chariots, four sevens. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I think that if people are like divide by zeroing you and the game is ending on either like turn six or turn eight, then Ren and seven doesn't do enough. And I would much rather have the growths in that slot. If if that's what we're trying to do, you know, because again, it's like a haste threat and that is a pretty good way to try and beat. Is it? Yep. So I, I sideboard them out uh, in those matchups. Almost always. Uh, My plan is just like maxing snakeskin veils and invalidating all their early removal and beating down and having old growth troll, Asika's chariot, creature lands to survive post sweepers. And I I think it's good. I I mean, I don't I don't know that the matchups hugely green favored. I don't know that it's hugely is it favored. I, I think it's tight. Uh, I think it depends a lot on your draws and for the mono green deck to have that against the all sweepers. Alwyn's Epiphany deck that bodes very well for mono green in my eyes. The fact that you have those kind of plans uh, and, you know, I, I haven't played a bunch of unnatural growth, but maybe if you have that in the Ren and seven slot, it gets even better. And you win a lot of your game ones and your game two plans are really strong. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm not qualified to speak to that at this point. But like I said, I, th- I think it's intriguing out of the sideboard. I've been happy with the frog hemoth. I, I think the trample haste threat is important. Uh, I think there's a bunch of stuff you need to clean up from graveyards and other matchups where it quite often comes up. I've appreciated it in like blood of the snow matchups as well. Cause it's both a good follow-up to that sweeper and controls their graveyards as the game goes long. Yep. Um, so I, I think that card is fine, but I am, I am interested to see what happens if I go, 
uh, really hard in this sideboarding plan uh, because, you know, in, in that case, I can suit my deck towards those plans. And like you said, what am I doing here? What am I actually trying to accomplish? Well, if I know I'm boarding on natural growth, I can get out that interaction. I can find those matchups where I'm not trying to uh, blizzard brawl you and I'm not trying to inscription of abundance you. And, you know, some of the less sticky threats that we're playing can also beat it. Ren and Sevens can beat it and you just get really streamlined beat down. And I think that's a fine place to be as well. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on the is it setup too, mm-hmm. right? Because say say you're playing against the the turns like very controlly Nexus of Fate style version, and then they sideboard in Smoldering Egg, like they they can actually get you with that, right? Yeah. And not everyone has that. Or they're the list with like Egg and Goldspan main deck, and then it's like, well, I have to keep in some amount of Blizzard brawls, right? Like I have to be able to interact with these things because they can just solo a game. Yeah, so I, I actually like Inscription of Abundance in that spot because you can use it to outsize the sweepers as well. So I, I think sure. you get a little bit more utility uh, and still keep your flexibility to answer those threats. Yeah, that's fair too. It's just, it, it's awkward in a lot of situations trying to set up like creature plus Inscription to like fight your thing. It's just like really clunky. But if you're also going really hard on Stakeskin Veil to, yep. to like prevent them from interacting with you I, th- I think that makes a lot more sense yeah and that's when you start getting to those more controlish type feels where you're just like okay i'll i'll set up this chain play and there's nothing they can really do to interact with it and take the game from there yeah you like you end up having a much slower clock but you're preventing them from getting any traction so yep. it's not like they can really capitalize on it you, you also get the combat trick turns too which are just, like if they they have to block with the egg most of the time. Like it, they wouldn't be getting the value out of it if they didn't. And yeah, if you're able to fair. just trample over the egg, you're in a really good spot. Yep. Agree with that. So I don't know, man, I was, I was very confused. Uh, you see like the list with 10 fights, four unnatural growths, and I'm just really wondering how they're sideboarding in mirror matches because you draw like one creature, two fights and an unnatural growth. I think like the, the growth is just better as another threat. Yeah. In, yeah, in those sorts of draws. Like nightmare. So it, I don't know. It was, it was a head scratcher. I was wondering if you had figured it out, but it sounds like we kind of had like the same thoughts about it, where if you're loading up on fights, unnatural growth doesn't make a ton of sense. Right. Uh, so there's a couple more like individual card choices, just because I've played, like I said, I've played this deck a ton. Hit me. So mono green technology. Let's go. What's, what's your ramp spell of choice? Uh, I mean, neither like old growth trolls. Some of my lists had florahedron. Okay. And uh, Kazandu Mammoth, which it just seems like a lot of people are just not playing, which yeah. is weird. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I have Lotus Cobra. Okay. Um, I, I think like the number of times it has allowed me to old growth troll where I would hit a faceless haven might just pay for it in and of itself. Well, I mean, that's that's something else entirely, right? Well, I'll talk about that, too. What's are you the full eight? creature lands at this point i think it's really good if you're playing against a control deck and they have field of ruins you know anytime it's like they you draw one creature land they draw one field of ruins like you never even had a creature land that that feels really bad right yeah so you want to play as many of them as you possibly can but i also don't think that you can play old growth troll with four faceless havens basically like old growth troll with only 20 green producing lands and okay. when you have like Kazandu Mammoth or Florahedron, then you have more sources for old growth troll, 
but then that kind of dictates that you like play the mammoth or whatever as a mana source when maybe you don't want to. Yep. So uh, I play my mammoth as mana sources quite often. I, I do play mammoth. Uh, I have 24 non mammoth lands, uh, three layer of the Hydra, four faceless haven. Okay. And I would probably swap the creature land numbers. It's interesting. Um, I, I think that certainly faceless haven is, is the more efficient option. And absolutely. You, that, you that's not even close. But you're right that those turns with old growth troll are they can be painful. And that's one of the reasons why Lotus Cobra has been important. Uh, also, obviously, unlocking turn three of Chariot is very big game. I, I think just playing like troll and having Veil up too in the post board games is really good. right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, I've appreciated Lotus Cobra. I started with two copies. I have three copies now. Um, any other interesting features that I would like to talk about with this list? Everything else mostly stock. I started with Autumn Burchett's list that they posted over on Star City and just kind of evolved from there. And cool changes were not many. I, I thought it was a really strong list, really well built to begin with. And just like sideboard tweaks here, main deck tweaks hit there. But uh, I'm really impressed by the mono green deck. It is uh, deserving of the hype it's getting right now. I agree. It's It's simple, maybe kind of boring, but... I think that this is exactly what an aggro deck should kind of look like, where you have ways to go a little bit longer if you want to. You can build it uh, with like Ren and Seven if if you know you're playing in more grindier matchups or whatever. But like you have ways to spend your mana, you have a little bit of resiliency. Uh, this is these are the aggro decks that I like to play. Yeah, I mean it. I hate to say this is like, this isn't a reason to choose a deck, but I will say this deck makes me feel smart. And that's something I appreciate in magic is when I'm like making decisions and it's not just, Oh, how many lands do I have untapped? Okay. I'll play that spell. There's a lot of pacing, uh, a lot of knowing what threat to play, when to extend all of that stuff that uh, has felt a little absent in most decks. I, I think mostly because of uh, Embercleave. That's not to say Embercleave decks were stupid, and certainly they were were not. They required the same type of forethought, but it was it was different. It was always building towards one point. And there were a lot of non-games too. And you don't feel that quite as much with this deck. Yeah, I agree with all that. I, I don't think it's like, oh, this deck makes me feel smart, therefore I like it. I just think that there are a lot of options with the deck, which helps benefit the deck, which therefore mm -hmm. makes you feel smart because you get to make a lot of choices. Right. And yeah, we we haven't really had that with a lot of the aggro decks, but you add in like the creature lands and old growth troll and like werewolf pack leader and stuff like that. It's like, oh, this is like actually fun to play. Yeah. It, it feels so good too when you just like put your opponent in the faceless haven vice where you're not doing it. You're just activating that faceless haven, but you know that's warping their entire game plan and there's nothing they can do about it. It's it's a really powerful feeling. Yeah. I agree. You want to talk about is it now? Has it been long enough or are we allowed to go? To, is it? I mean, these are the one and two decks, so it makes sense to kind of kick things off here. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree. So we have the the turns deck, which is just do nothing. Galvanic iteration, Hours Epiphany. Maybe you have Hall of the Storm Giant or Hall of Storm Giants. Uh, burn down the house, make some devils, whatever. You, you find a way to close the game or at least get like so far ahead that you can't possibly lose. Right. But you're not you're not playing any threats. You're just interaction card drawing that setup that's that's all you need and that's what this end game of iteration and epiphany does for you 
Um, few notes on individual card choice. I was wrong about burn down the house. I think Battle of Frost and Fire is better. I didn't anticipate that at all. I, like the first change I wanted to make was get burned down the house in there. Copying it with galvanic iteration seemed important. Uh, the sizing to take out a Ren and Seven seemed like it was going to come up a bunch. So I, it just seemed like an oversight to play Battle of Frost and Fire. I don't feel that way anymore. I Bat think it's the better option. Battle does a lot when yeah. you're trying to put together like this unbeatable endgame. Exactly. Your game plan is so linear and that selection of three cards from the top, as well as if you ever go ahead and get the trigger on the third step of the saga is so critical to what you're trying to do because you just can't bear not having your pieces together. You need to have certain cards at certain times. And I, I know that burn down the house has a bit more flexibility. It has, like I said, the doubling capacity. But one other thing you lose, which is really important if you are ever paired up against really linear aggro decks so i'm talking things like mono white uh the very small amount of mono red that's out there some boros uh the ability to return your battle of frost and fire with divide by zero is game breaking the card advantage you generate from that your opponents just can't play through it it's, it's not possible and so yes but you also like swept them once and have a divide by zero so i think you're probably doing okay in a lot of those instances i don't think that's that anomalous of a situation when you think about how the games play out like you're divided by zero targets you're often better served by like using a removal spell your turn four is probably your memory deluge turn yes. Turn five is your sweeper turn six if you just had that one window or if you drew two divide by zeros and you're in that position i i don't feel like you're that far off and the fact that you're getting it alongside like an environmental sciences it just hard closes the game where i lost games when i had just burned down the house so I, I agree that the interaction does things. I just think that you win the majority of those games anyway. Maybe true. Maybe true. And I'm just but, overstating but, how hard that swing is. But it does lock it up, almost certainly. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know how, how much that is like actually relevant, how much that contributes to you gaining like a few extra percentage points or whatever. But yes, it, it's worth it. So even if those percentage points aren't there, I am convinced that the scribe percentage points are absolutely there. Like that's that's a big difference maker getting three cards deeper when you're looking for a very specific setup. I mean, and the ca the cataloging, too. I've seen so many games where it's like you have to expend resources like dealing with their threats and you end up with like, you know, you, you sweep the board with Battle of Frost and Fire and you, you have like lands and an epiphany or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like this card just makes it so you keep playing after the one epiphany because you could very easily lose if you just cast one of them. Right. So it, it does do a lot to solidify the end game and make it so that you actually keep going instead of just kind of like fizzle out. But I also feel like maybe this is not the right way to build the deck anyway. So it's kind of relevant. Well, that's interesting. And I, I think that gets to the next point that, I really wanted to make about this is it turns deck is that like you said in a vacuum probably the most powerful thing you can do in this format it it represents the upper limits of the format it is difficult to interact with it is unpleasant to play against I would say the mirror is kind of a nightmare uh in a way that control mirrors haven't really felt this bad in a while like I, I can't remember the last one i enjoyed I, I usually like control mirrors i i do not like the is it turns I'm, mirror i'm down to talk about that specifically too okay uh go ahead yeah let's let's hear about that so normally it's like 
make your land drops, draw some cards, counter the relevant stuff, and you'll be pretty well set up. And it, it has the same problem as we talked about before, where you're like mid-range splashing a counterspell or whatever. It's like one counterspell doesn't actually beat them. Right. And it's it feels like a, you feel that in the control mirrors too, where you're like trying to sculpt and then they they just play like the fork card. And, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that you had like set up doesn't actually matter anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of trumps to every game plan, be it Malevolent Hermit or the backside of Malevolent Hermit. And the, and or... the Hermit was the next thing I was going to get to where it's just like you need to keep in some interaction for this thing. And it's obviously super powerful, like both parts of it. And it just invalidates a lot of what you're trying to do. So there are so many games where it feels like you have done everything right to get into a winning position in the control mirror. But it's like. Well, they disturbed their hermit and now their stuff's uncounterable. A lot of your cards don't do anything. And it's it's frustrating both from like the mid-range splashing counterspell side and like from playing the mirror side. So yeah, the the mirrors, it's not like, oh, you play like an extra counterspell, an extra land, extra card draw, you're set. It's just it's still just such a shit show. Yeah really bad play patterns uh and you know that's probably more than anything the reason why i am in favor of just axing epiphany from the format uh but in terms of longevity this deck is way more targetable than like epiphany generally is and the fact that it has some vulnerability to like a test of talents possibly or you can just change the way you're playing the game you know like i said i thought i had pretty good plans against mono green uh you could go back to unnatural growth as an option to just kind of race them and you can look for five toughness creatures if they're going to be playing battle of frost and fire and find holes in them that way so there's a lot of different approaches you can take to kind of pressure this deck but this deck can also go so many places on the spectrum and you mentioned oh maybe this deck is misbuilt as it is I think it'll always be on a week to week basis. It should be a different deck. There should be different plans. Sometimes it should have, you know, eggs and goldspan dragons in the main. Sometimes you want malevolent hermit in the main. There's just so many ways this deck can go uh, that even if it is hard targetable, I think it will remain resilient and remain adaptable. And the best way to target it is basically always going to be like play a blue deck and then get roped into epiphany yourself. Like, play the is it dragons deck instead so you can get a mana advantage and if that's all we're trying to do here and trying to find the most efficient way to race to alvin's epiphany plus counterspell not appealing to me whatsoever agreed and i i guess saying the deck is like misbuilt is uh poor wording where i think the the list that got popularized was the best way to build the deck in a vacuum but now you know with it being on the radar And I mean, it's more than on the radar, right? It's like public enemy number one is now you have to adapt. So playing last week's deck is a mistake. Whereas you mentioned all the different ways that they can change their deck to gain edges in different scenarios. And I I really like the versions with egg main. I think it does a lot to make it so you don't necessarily need to like full combo with Mm -hmm. your Alrin's epiphanies. And it gives you a little bit of extra percentage points uh, against uh, not just the green decks, but like creature decks in general. Although I think that the green decks are really the only ones you need to be worried about. And then it also does things for like the post board games in the mirror where 
they have to keep in interaction against this thing because it might just kill them because otherwise right. you could just play draw go for forever. Right. But then someone plays like this very cheap two mana threat that is eventually going to become something real. And the onus is now on, on the other person. Right. Oldest trick in the book, right? Find that scaling threat that you get to drop on turn two and yeah. let that carry the game. And yeah, I main deck egg sounds pretty appealing to me right now. I, I think that could be the way forward. Um, what about going back to just harder dragon focused approaches? I uh, mean, those decks are fine. I don't think they've been invalidated at all. Yeah, I like egg main deck minimum. And I think that right now, Goldspan Dragon is also the way to go. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily think that it like gives you a great edge in mirror matches because it's also vulnerable to just a lot of the same stuff that they're doing already, where, you know, if they have some disdainful strokes or whatever, they already have like divide by zero. It's like you there's there's not a lot of scary stuff that can happen if you jam this like turn five on the play, but like going long, it is certainly awkward that you have like this expensive sorcery speed card in your hand. Correct. uh, That's really vulnerable to a lot of stuff. But I think that it makes up for that in giving you percentage points in a lot of other spots, uh, especially when they're used to sideboarding against like the creatureless version, right? And like their plan is based on fighting the creatureless version. But yeah, maybe it just means that like you side out the dragons in the mirror match, you keep the eggs, go for like hermits and all the counter spells and stuff like that that I was talking about. No, I think that's fine. One of the other things I'm starting to see is uh, third color. And actually, I I saw this early in the format with the dragons list, too, where they picked up black. And I every single time I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like, what is the, what I don't, I don't even understand what exactly they're trying to achieve. Like is duress an okay card in the matchup? Sure. I mean, like it's, it's fine. You can find strategical applications for it, but overall it's not changing the game plan. Uh, one of the key cards plays out of the graveyard. So you're not even addressing that card. I'm, I'm not even sure exactly what we're trying to do. And like, if the argument is removal, I hate that removal, that argument, because I'd rather have the red removal than black removal right now. Like, it, it's just better. I don't I don't understand why we're stretching to black for removal. It makes no sense to me. So Duress is good in theory. Epiphany has Fertel and all the other cards yeah. that matter have flashback. Yep. Yeah, I, what, what I the agree. Hell? What the hell? I, I agree with you. Like, uh, you if, know, if it were a blue or red card, how many would you play for mirror matches? You know, the question, the answer is not four. So the, the question's already, like, up for debate. Uh, but yeah, Splashing for Infernal Grasp, where it's like, yeah, I guess I you... that card. I guess you do. I like the card, but I, you don't... You don't you have to work so hard, uh, or, like, you, it makes it so you don't have to work hard to, like, kill a, a chariot or whatever, but, like, you don't have to work that hard anyway. And this just means that, like, your man is kind of wonky. You're, because of all... You know, like whenever you have to play like a pathway on black, it messes up like your expressive iterations. Playing a third color means that you're playing fewer field of ruins if you're playing field of ruin at all. Yep. You have these lands that ETB tapped in the early yep. games. I don't know if you're like trying to do snarl stuff, but it certainly makes those just unplayable. Right. So you're like losing probably an average of like a mana per game. To, to splash. And then that's even assuming that like your colors come together and you get to cast your spells. And they don't. I mean, I've just played against these versions so many times where they're just like sitting there with a handful of uncastable spells and they get run over. It, 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 it's a mistake. And, 
don't do this. And you're doing it for cards that are replaceable in color. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like, like I said, I think duress is a fine card and I was also playing a lot of Demir control this week. Uh, one of the shifts I made in Demir control was to start playing three duress and a check for traps main. Now, granted, I'm a Lear deck, so the whole context yeah. is completely different. You like want, you want, yeah, sorceries, like proactive cards, not counter right. spells. Cheap, cheap stuff. All, all that matters. And it, it made a big difference in that matchup. I was, I was playing that matchup very well to the point where I felt favored. So, I get that like some decks are going to use that as their plan, but just trying to do the same overall plan with duress, that's not the answer. I promise you. Yeah. I, I think that if you uh, switch decks with your opponents, you probably would from that side though too. Uh, that is possible. I, I have often felt like that. Uh, that is one of the challenges with ladders that sometimes it's just kind of a, a ham sandwich situation where it's like uh, we're, we're playing on different levels, I think. Yep. But regardless, I mean, I I think that that's a fine plan. That's something you can definitely explore. But then it's like, is Lear and Duress and stuff better than just playing like Egg Epiphany, some iterations, you know? No, I I don't think so anymore. Uh, You know, it was an interesting idea. It has its appeal. But like we said, uh, the crazy, crazy late game, like the whole purpose of the Lear thing that I was doing was a late game of divide by zero out of the graveyard with Lear right. and recursive counter spells, because that seems as big as you can get. But as soon as you put Galvanic Iteration and Alrin's Epiphany together, uh, you have found a bigger end game for your control deck. And it's one that can be problematic for these decks to interact with. So. Yeah, I, I will say that if you are playing black and you lack interaction against decks like is it uh, duress has enough targets against the format as a whole like duress is a fine main deck card in smallish numbers mm-hmm. so that is definitely something you can do but i'm not going to splash for it to try and beat mirrors because it's not going to beat them that's agreed all. agreed cool so if you're playing a tournament what would your is it deck look like i my my instinct is you can get by with just main deck egg. I think that idea is really intriguing. Your thought of playing gold span, I'm a little hesitant about. Uh, I I do feel there's some vulnerability in the mirror, and I I'm not sure. It, it kind of depends like what the mono green list look like. I think whether I want to play gold span or not, because if that if they're trying to race me and they're doing things like growth, then maybe I want to try and reclaim some of that tempo with something like. Uh, Goldspan Dragon, because I know they're not going to interact with it. So I just move my whole plan forward. You know, I have maybe a Prismari command or two in my deck where I'm just trying to do that thing where I'm moving up the curve a little bit faster. Yeah, Uh, I I could buy that. But my starting point would be to try out a list with main deck egg, see if I can make that work in all the matchups. Second thing I would try would be Dragon. I think just playing main deck egg is where I want to be this week, though. Yeah, I, I don't think the Dragon is a slam dunk. But I do think that I see the benefits in certain matchups, certain mm-hmm. situations and stuff where it's like, I could see this being correct, even if it ends up not being very good in the mirror. Yeah, no, fair enough. But then again, it's like, how much help do you need against like these other decks, right? Like, is it is, you know pretty well off against a lot of yeah, stuff that's well, like not mirrors not mono green right so they've like already cast their lot by choosing not to play one of these two best decks so you assume you've already got some advantage there and like i would 
I, I mean, I have to look at my sideboard slots, but almost certainly like four copies of Burning Hands in my sideboard. Just I, I don't see why I wouldn't. Right. Uh, or it's like what's more likely is probably three in the sideboard, one in the main deck, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I don't see why I wouldn't have access to the full four post board. Yep. Uh, so we talked about mono green. What about the other green decks like Gruel or I don't know if you want to talk about like three color piles or Simic or what? Yeah, so I guess it depends if we're talking just other green beatdown decks or if we want to expand that category towards like the Storm the Festival decks. Um, I think or, or those are like hybridizing a little bit as well. I, I've seen some like gruel list with Storm the Festival. I know. Uh, I've seen mono green list with Storm the Festival. I think it's nonsense, but you, you could theoretically do it if you want. If if you're trying to beat down and that should be something that you should be trying to do as long as is it is a thing, then you don't want Storm the Festival. And if your whole thing is like, oh, this allows me to go a little bit bigger in mid-range mirrors, there are ways to do it that also are reasonable cards against is it. Maybe it's fine if you're like Jaspera Sentinel. I like I don't think I want to be Jaspera Sentinel, Magna, Magda, Goldspan Dragon, but maybe if you're doing that, it's an okay approach. There are so many other cards I'd rather have in my deck before I have Storm the Festival, though. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. those hybrid decks haven't really impressed me. And to, at this point, I just think, like, Gruul is mono green with less options. Like, the, obviously, you get access to, like, Burning Hands, but I, I'd probably rather have Blizzard Brawl and Snakeskin Veil in that scenario, and I just feel like I can play the game that way and get ahead on my really good card advantage sources. The fact that I outsize some of your bodies... Uh, all, all that stuff seems like a fine place to be. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is out there in terms of green. As far as like the pure Storm the Festival decks, I like them. Like I said, I played some Soltai, Binding the Old Gods into Alrun's Epiphany, into like uh, Prosperous Innkeeper, Tangled Florahedron, uh, Rootbound Creeper, and just uh, don't keep a hand without a two-drop accelerator. The problem is your two-drop accelerator never lives. So, and if you're up against a matchup where you don't have a target for your Binding the Old Gods, you're, you're kind of giving up a lot to just use that as your ramp spell. So maybe there's a package there where you find a way to like, I don't know. I, I don't think you want to go as far as like Glittering Frost, but some way to have a little bit more stickiness. And it's one of the reasons why like Prosperous Innkeeper is so appealing in that spot is you just get that acceleration no matter what. And you're so reliant on being able to hit that Storm the Festival and then make good of it, which I never do. Obviously, it's always five lands. But if I theoretically were to that make sounds good pretty of it, damn good to me, man. You're ramping in the uh, flashback. Let's go. No, I'm, I'm just dead at that point. Uh, so that that's the thing is like, what does Storm the Festival do? Like you're talking about a deck with so much air and then you're like, oh, yeah, Storm of the Festival is my top end. It's like, what is it hitting? It's, here's here's the thing. I, this is how I think you have to build it. I've been completely underwhelmed by anything else. Four Ren and Seven, four Seekers Chariot are non-negotiable. I, I don't think there's much debate there. After that, a Grafted Identity and Mind Flayer type effects, you need those. You need to swing the battlefield that big. And, you know, Grafted Identity, again, like the whole Prosperous Innkeeper into Grafted Identity setup I like. That, that has been very appealing to me, but also the Mind Flayer having two bodies and you having all these lightning rods in the form of Rootbound Creeper, Tangled Florahedron in the early game, it getting to survive a little bit more. Uh, that has been great too. But 
ultimately, I do think you need to go very hard on those effects or you just won't catch up off your storms. Yeah, this is this is all kind of a non-starter for me, though, because none of that does anything against is it? It does not. That is that is correct. I, I mean, that's a, gr- a great matchup for is it right now? And one of the reasons why, like, you know, I mentioned I'm playing Sultai and I'm like, well, I'll get access to some counter magic. But then you get back to your problem. Like you said, you you don't beat them with the one counter spell. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, I've been playing Simic a little bit, and I think that there's a little bit more flexibility there. I am not playing Storm the Festival because it does pigeonhole you into just having a bunch of cards and like a deck that doesn't do anything against uh is it but mm-hmm. so you you're know, playing like the the i'm forgetting the name of the simic spell right now half fight half counter spell i started with those but like the your bodies are all pretty small unless you're playing like okay. mammoth and maybe like kazandu or uh quandrix cultivator yep and stuff like that uh which are fine cards anyway like you can certainly play them but like just just play some strokes main it's better uh maybe you're like worse off against mono white aggro or who cares you know yeah but yeah you could play like hermit's main counterspell's main coma is okay against like the dragon setups of is it at least so i think that i think that that card is fine but i don't know obviously you still have to sideboard like 10 cards to beat is it so whatever right oh uh, well yeah. I, I guess like you play divide by zero also to okay. give you like some interaction and i guess like divide is maybe a better replacement for decisive denial than stroke is okay you know what i mean sure sure uh, that makes sense but, but it's not perfect obviously like divide doesn't beat is it on its own either and it certainly doesn't beat like the galvanic iteration setups so you, you still have to clock them can i tell you about a very silly simic deck i played against the other day did it have it- dragon turtle because that card's tight it didn't. Okay. It, it could. Uh, it had wizard class. Uh, I know the second thing is, or whatever is divination. Yes, that's the one that matters uh, in this case. Okay. That, okay, I don't know where you're going if, like, that's the one that matters. Uh, and then it was Chariot, Ren and Seven. So, you know, you get to win some games on that. Alvin's Epiphany on the top end. Okay. Then it seemed to max Mordekinen. And was using the Asika's chariots to make more dogs. Okay. And just these these massive, stupid dogs barking on my heels, chasing me down. Um, and then Wizard Class like refilled the hand. And it, it was all very silly. But I left the match with appreciation for my opponent and what they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I should note that the Simic deck plays Epiphany also. Mm-hmm. In, in case that was ever in question. That's that's what happens. We get pulled to blue for other reasons, and we're like, eh, well, I'm here. May as well pick these up. Yeah, so the visit mirrors were like, oh, we want to play like a cheap threat and some counter spells and our epiphanies, and like maybe that's how we, we win the mirror, right? And this is this is basically just that deck, but different. You're like, you know, more proactive. You have cards that are just like generally better, higher rates, chariot, etc. And then yep. you're still playing like epiphanies and counter spells. So that's it. Mind okay. Flare. Mind Flare is cool. Yep. Mind Flare is cool. Grafted Identity, do you have love for that or are you more of a Mind Flare? I like Mind Flare more, even though it's just like, God, that's so many five drops, you know? Yeah. You're, you're kind of locked in on playing four Rens when you have four Chariots. And yep. then, yeah. Four Mordekenden, of course. Oh, to make naturally. Your, to make your dogs. Yeah. Naturally. Yep. Uh, 
And I, I don't know. I think, I think you need something. It would be better if I could play identity because that costs four. Correct. Yeah. But it's kind of tough to find like the sacrificial body. I'm not, I'm not playing, uh, innkeeper because okay. like you, you ramp past that, you know, like you want your ramp to be persistent. So I have Florhedron, creeper and three cobras. Okay. And then like the cultivators and stuff like that. So it's like, you have, you have some like sacrificial bodies, but it, it does set you back. Could yeah. sack a Briarbridge tracker or something. Yeah. I mean, I, ideally we're just going to hit it off storm and never have to. Sacrifice, I'm not playing storm, dude. Look, it's not a playable card. <laughs> You're just off it. There's, there's no interest in the card whatsoever. It makes it so you just can't beat. Is it ever don't put it in your deck, put play okay. other things that do things. Okay. Well, speaking of other things, what else is out there? Uh, uh, so, mono white. Uh, it's not even worth talking about, man. Okay. Uh, so there's some control decks. They're you know, like Doom Scar, Alrin's Epiphany, or whatever. It's like just play red. Strixhaven Stadium. Sure, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter at this point. If we're if we're giving up on the is it stuff, you may as well just go uh, full jank. Throw the Strixhaven Stadium in there. Get your Teferis to tap it, and just lose eventually anyway i mean that's it's only interesting because that makes the deck an epiphany deck and that's probably getting at some points yeah which is which is good but you you have already committed to like not doing the good and powerful thing right and at that point i i can no longer like give you advice like just do whatever you want that's fine all bets are off but if you're like oh how do i make this better it's like we'll cut the whatever cards for red ones yeah cut the white cards and play the good deck uh other thing are the the black decks blood on the snow and let me tell you about blood on the snow it, Please. Is, it is a deck with a six mana card that is trying to use that six mana card to gain an advantage against green decks and okay. if you're not playing mono green you're probably playing gruel and then you're probably splashing counter spells to beat is it at which point you now have the upper hand against the blood on the snow decks also, Blood on the Snow cannot beat is it in a million billion years. So you are playing a deck for whatever reason that handily loses to like the top two decks. Yeah, I, I'm going to let you know it also doesn't beat Mono Green either. Like I, I'm fine. Play your Blood on the Snow. I'll, you know, time my old growth trolls appropriately and have a Seekus Chariot on the battlefield and trample over your Lolth and it won't survive. And I have all these creature lands. I mean, theoretically, Blood on the Snow should be a really good card against creature decks, but that's just not how the creature deck in this format works. It has tremendous, tremendous resiliency. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been Blood on the Snowed and I follow up end of turn make an old growth troll untap play my ren and seven have that hop in my asika's chariot and i just have a massively full battlefield the turn after you blood in the snow and your lolf is already dead assuming you got that back which is like your best case scenario yeah and you know you don't even achieve that a good percentage of the time so lolf lolf is so good when it actually works at like protecting you mm-hmm. And yeah, there's just way too many scenarios where it just doesn't do that against Mono Green. Does not play well against Trample. And it's not like Mono Green is loaded with Trample, but I feel like I find it when I need it in the matchup for whatever reason. And, you know, be it activating my Werewolf Pack Leader or just having the Old Growth Troll, which, as we mentioned, is resilient. So if you drew an Old Growth Troll, there's a very good chance you have 
maintain an old growth troll on the battlefield yeah. whenever so, you need it. So, so just keep it up on the blood turn and you're good. You're yep. fine. Yep. And uh, that has been my experience. So not impressed by these decks. I want to be impressed by them. I, I love them conceptually. And I think they are one of the things that gets fully introduced to the metagame and not only like big blood on the snow decks but just smaller black decks in general i think really get unlocked all the grindy sacrifice stuff that you want to do alongside like the meat hook massacre and jadar all that is going to get outscaled by alan's epiphany as long as they occupy the same format and you can try and splash blue but if you're not doing that with the clock it's not going to matter agreed so i love shambling ghast and deadly dispute and uh i you know before like you try loth out a little bit in like the previous standard format you're just like this is not even close to being you know in in the realm of like power level of like other stuff that's going on right and now i think it's actually fine obviously there are some issues that we talked about like trample but like you you get that card going like that's a whole lot of fun and everything and I, I love these decks. I enjoy playing with them. And then it's just like, yeah, on turn eight, you lose or whatever. So if, if you want to sign up for that, it's like you play a bunch of turns and then everything that you did doesn't matter. Cool. Well, like definitely do that. That'll be fun for you. But yeah, uh, yeah just it can't, it cannot compete right now. And God bless the people who are trying to make it try or, you know, trying to make it work. Uh, I appreciate you, but unfortunately we're not there. The the only success I found doing this was when I made my deck as aggressive as possible. So um, I'm talking like Jund sacrifice ish stuff, but then it's it's closer to Gruel than Jund at that point. Like it's it's still doing Reckless Stormseeker and uh, Briarwood Tracker and going into Goldspan Dragon. So it's, it's just trying to be a beatdown deck with a bunch of expensive spells in it really being fueled by like either the magda package jesper sentinel or in my case i was doing it with shambling ghast which i think unlocking these five drops on turn three is one of the ways you can get to the point where your clock is fast enough to compete in these games but like that's your absolute ceiling and you you don't hit it all that often so it's it's just not it's just not sustainable like it alrin's epiphany closes out a lot of space yep i my article this week was on blood on the snow and it was like a bunch of like, yeah, this can't beat, is it? Um, but I, I have experimented with this archetype a lot because I do enjoy it and was just, you know, disappointed across the board. Um, but yeah, one of my lists is like a more aggressive approach. That's like, well, maybe you can like try and beat, is it this way? It's like, you have like Jadar and Sedgemore witch. And it's like, it's, it's not going to work, but like, some amount of aggression with some counter spells, like maybe you'll win a couple games or whatever, but. So the the thing I would look into is like, is there a way to get some sizing from this whole package? Uh, you know, some unexplored card that we're not playing a lot of that just Kalein. grows. Which, which card? Kalein, you said? Yeah. Kalein yeah. helps. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, that was part of my deck for sure. And, uh, was, was quite good. So I, I think that's a fine option. I mean, I think- we can talk about Immersturm Predator. <laughs> I sent you some nice messages in regards to that card earlier in the week. Tell me tell me your Immersturm Predator experience. It's, it's just like a completely busted card that a lot of decks can't deal with, except for like the one answer that they have in their deck, incidentally, that just completely destroys you. Yes. Uh, so 
it's like, oh, wow, they haven't found their divide by zero yet or whatever. And you're just like working them. And then they do divide you and you just like all the wind is out of your sails. You're just it's game over. And or it's like so much worse, like fading hope. Yeah. And you're or like soul shattered. There's, there's just so many ways you can get completely owned with Br- that card. Brutal Cathar, Skyclave Apparition. Like yeah. there, there aren't a lot of outs, but when they find it, it's like, what, what were you even doing? Yeah. So, so my Jundex always had a copy and it was almost always like one copy and even like vampires. I had, I had a black red vampires list, which actually was pretty good. Um, it, it was, it was close ish before there's, is it turns everywhere. And the, <laughs> the number of messages I got, like on, only one predator or only two predators. It's like, yes, only two predators. I'd be crazy to play more. This card betrays you every chance it can get. Stormseeker into that card is good. In theory, it solves your sizing problem. Also, it just ends up being like really bad against unsummoned, especially because you're not there. There are no lightning rods, right? Like you're not putting pressure on them from the get to make it so they spend those cards so that your predator sticks. And right. I think that, that that is the thing that the the vampires deck did do a little bit better than yeah, average. I believe that. I believe that. Yeah. But still, there's still flaws with the card. It's it's fine in spots, but it's got some holes. So you're talking about, you know, sizing, trying to get it out of like battle or burn down the house, whatever they're doing. And in, in the case of like black decks specifically, I feel like it doesn't matter. That's why they have unsummons in their deck is to like get rid of that one big threat. And right. in the case of like the green decks, right? It's like, well, you bounce the Ren token and then yep. you battle and everything's fine. Yep. Absolutely. And it plays the same way here. It doesn't matter if you have like a four seven Skullport merchant or whatever. Like, you know, they're still at fifteen life, and they have a bunch of bounce spells in their deck. Who cares? Right. Yeah. It it can be frustrating, uh, which is why I will continue to play one of these two very very strong decks. I will say that if the is it mirror matches were. I don't want to say like more skill based, but I will say more skill based. If they were okay. more skill based. I would be enjoying the hell out of playing those decks, I think. Yeah, they're, I think they're a blast. I mean, obviously, I love that playstyle. So I, I think they're a blast in some matchups. Uh, the first few days when nobody really believed in the deck and you were just free rolling everyone, you never played the mirror, it felt great. You're just like, I'm, I'm brilliant. Look at me casting my spells and my opponents having no chance whatsoever. And then uh, things kind of quickly unraveled from there. Yeah. And and now the mirror matches are probably just like wall to wall frustrations on both sides with like players having things that are occasionally uncounterable or spells getting copied or like they drew an egg and you couldn't kill it. You just lost that straight up with a handful of negates or whatever. It's like yep. a, a hall of storm, storm giants, maybe just like solos a game or whatever. It's like, come on. All of this, all of this is kind of crap. Kind of crap is a good way of putting it. Um, let's fix it. Let, let's do better. Let's ask for the best standard possible. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to ruin anyone's parade. I'm not trying to take away anyone's wild card. I'm just Look, saying we're we're close. We're so close. I I think that even if you removed Epiphany, we would not have the best standard ever. And here's why. I think that there needs to be more modality in deck building basically for a format to actually be good whereas you remove epiphany and you still have like the laundry list of decks that we discussed and obviously there's like rakdos and like mono white and like all these other things can come out to play but i think for the most part those decks have their like best in slots and there isn't a whole lot of flexibility to go along with it 
which means that things are mostly just going to remain static until we get like more cards, more sets, which, you know, see, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I think like I, maybe you have to take chariot too to get to a point where things aren't static because chariot Ren is so powerful. And like I said, I mean, like you can probably make a fine case for taking chariot as well. But if you take both those cards, I, I think things open up a bunch because so much oxygen is eaten up by that entire package and that's, the answers to that package and that's everything's snowballing from Epiphany. And I, I don't know. I think we'd be in for a whole new format at that point. That's true. But like even aside from Chariot, right? Like you remove Chariot too, just in the hypothetical, like I, I'm not saying this is a good idea. I don't even think it's worth discussing if it's a good idea. Who cares? Like if things get banned, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. No, no right. speculating, right? As always. So let's speculate. But, but like, no, when you're talking in the context of like mono green or even gruel, it's like your two drops are uh, like pack leader, ranger class. Maybe you play some of the werewolf stuff. I think, you know, those cards are like kind of medium, but I also haven't been like super happy with Jasper Omega either. So like, whatever, let's just say for sake of argument, the werewolves are like best in slot type of thing. And there, there isn't modality from there. And your burn spells are like, oh, this one deals three damage. Well, this one also deals three damage. Well, you know, this one is like two damage, but like good against a green thing. It's like the, none of this is meaningful change, right? And it's the same thing with mono green. A lot of it is the same thing with like the black blood on the snow decks. Obviously, they're going to be different than like actual sacrifice decks, but I still think the sacrifice decks are like short, like they're going to fall short, but also they're just going to be worse than the blood on the snow decks probably. It's like th there isn't a whole lot that you can change within your deck to actually have a meaningful impact. Because just a lot of the cards are like very easily the best or they all kind of do the same thing. Yeah. So that, that was going to be my question is that is, is it a case of because there has been this trend of power down, uh, the things that are outliers are, are still that far beyond everything else. And that's what's creating this scenario. Maybe. I also think it's just like in the case of green specifically, it's like pack leader into Briar Bridge Tracker, uh, Chariot Ren. It's just like that is such a good, clean package, like all the way up the curve. And I, Ranger class kind of fits into this, too, where they're just like so efficient that the things that are close are just not even close. You know, it's like you have A's and then you have C's. Right. And there's not a whole lot of in between. And there's not like oh, you know, this card uh, is maybe worse than Ranger class, but better in this specific scenario. It's just like, no, it's like Ranger class exists. And like, that is that is the best thing, right? Is it, I, I mean, is that actually different, though, from even Hallmark moments in standard? Because to me, it seems like there's there, you're supposed to find flexibility in like, a distinct number of slots but the core is almost always the core and i'm i'm thinking back to like I'm, a historically good standard so let's talk like rtr i'm, I'm thinking where, like 16 card cores not like 30 card cores though okay yeah that's that's a fair point the car the cores may be three or four uh additions wider than you would like them to be like you build mono green aggro and you, you basically like come up short on cards you want in your sideboard, right? Like that is how constricted the amount of playables are. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, you, you I know legitimately what I mean? looked. I, no, when I, I was playing a bunch of mono green, I legitimately looked at every green card in the format. And yeah. there weren't that many I was considering putting in my deck. That That is fair. And so that means that like, okay, mono green has enough cards so that you have a deck, but there's very little flexibility in how you actually build it. And okay, let me respond with this though. This is the smallest point of standard. So for that to be the problem, I think is infinitely more addressable than, oh, this entire sector of gameplay is completely closed out because that will just naturally, as time goes on, be less and less of a problem. I, I agree with that in theory, but I also, I'm kind of worried about like, if if they do start printing like cards that are better than like Ranger class and, you know, it's not like Ranger class is busted or whatever, but like, you know, if, if everything is that good. Yeah. How do you close out these really great options? Yeah. Then it's, then it's also kind of weird. It's like the stuff that we, again, it's, it's A's and C's. Maybe it's like S tier and C's is, is more accurate, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe the answer to that actually is, um, I, yeah, mana restriction. I mean, that, that certainly, at least when it comes to werewolf pack leader, like that's how you make that a compelling question is you make a, a two drop that is two colors that's worth competing for that slot. I think that there's a lot of exploration that they could do. And I think we've talked about this maybe in privately, not on the cast, but like a, a lot of exploration they could do for incentivizing, not necessarily like monocolored rewards, but like mana restriction that isn't like, oh, you play your triome, like here's your right. here's your wedge card, right? But like CC stuff, CCC stuff. Yes. Th- like things of that nature. It's just like mono green feels like pretty nice because it is it is simple and you have to give up like a decent amount of stuff to get old growth troll in your deck and i think some of that is like i'm less willing to play four faceless havens than than other people (laughs) and like other people are just like screw it let's go you know so they're they're not giving up anything except for some clunky mana draws that they'll uh never acknowledge happens but but they make it back and complain equity baby that's what we're here for yeah exactly um I don't know. You you wanted to go to like RTR standard. I, the thing that I always go to is like KTK. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, not only did the decks have a lot of flexibility for like how you could build them, like think about like the Jeskai decks and how many different iterations they had throughout their lifetime. Right. And there, there was also like different variabilities in decks where it's like, you could be like super aggro or super controlling or whatever, just like whatever, whatever the doctor ordered, you could do it. But there are also like a lot of diversity in archetypes and color combinations that you could go to. Whereas now, you know, we talked about six decks kind of like gruel and the green decks are sort of derivative of mono green aggro. The is it decks are basically the same thing. So it's like, is it decks, green decks, blood on the snow, hard control, which is like also derivative of, is it? And so we have like these pre-cons and it's not like, you know, if Epiphany gets banned, like suddenly Rakdos is good or whatever, like A, it's derivative of Blood on the Snow and B, it's probably not good enough. So we we have like pre-cons and not a lot of pre-cons. So, so one thing that screams out to me as something worth noticing uh, that was present in that format was wedge options lower on the curve and we certainly had wedge options in the last standard but it felt like they were just way up the curve you know the ultimatums are obviously the ones you think about it was it was more like commander cards honestly you know like a lot of the stuff wasn't meant really to hit standard play and like if you build a two-color deck right like build a simic deck or a rakdos deck and then go to the gold cards and there's like maybe one gold card that you want to play and that's just weird because we've had a bunch of gold cards yeah 
I, I agree. That has been my experience as well. And I, I think the, like the the tension that comes from having a three color three drop or a three color four drop and the choices and the actual trade-offs you make then maybe that's a lot of what's been missing recently because i can't i'm trying to think back like the last cheap three color card that really mattered and nothing is immediately springing to mind can can you come up with anything (laughs) yeah dude i got one you ready hit me this is a bullshit answer minsk (laughs) <laughs> yeah see this is kind of i mean yeah. the card was like fine but. you play like one in winota yeah no i mean it, it might be like siege rhino or mantis rider and like yeah does it go that far back that's C- siege I, rhino, i'm sure i'm forgetting something C- i'm positive siege rhino is again like obviously ktk era and it also facilitated control decks and beatdown decks right so you yeah it, and like your control deck could be like 10 cards different from week to week and same with your beatdown deck right just whatever, yeah. whatever you needed, whatever you needed to do. Well, it's uh, an interesting question that doesn't matter and, whatsoever. I, yeah, it doesn't matter because it's not reality. So, like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah. I, I think I think that in the context of like what makes a good standard format is a reasonable discussion, which is like this was mostly talking from like what I consider to be a good standard format, and right. that might not be correct or relevant. Right. Because every, sure. everyone's going to have a different opinion for like, you know, what sort of standard format they enjoy or whatever. But. Absolutely. And I think that's why these uh, I, I won't even call them debates. Like, I, I guess, like the idea of raising, oh, this format needs correction or this format needs ban. It, it's why it tends to be so heated. Yeah, it's, it's part. Everyone's of the, looking for something different. Yeah, it's part of the problem. Right. It's like you can't even really have that discussion when no one's on the same page to begin with. Right. Right. You're, you're just you're just talking past each other. So. Yeah. Uh, sorry for the <laughs> last 15 minutes of the podcast. That, That's okay. I, I enjoyed myself. That's what matters. Good. I'm glad. Um, I, I would like to say that, you know, people are free to tune out whenever they want to, but. Well, they are. We don't, we don't imprison them and force them to listen to the podcast. No, nah, but my podcast listening is a lot of like, you know. <laughs> feeling trapped, feeling no, unable to escape. No, just the like choices you're, you've made in life. You're doing something else and your speaker or phone or whatever is just like playing kind of like out of your reach. And it's not like you you're so focused on the podcast that you get up and change the channel if it's something that you don't like or it got kind of off base or whatever. It's like you just kind of like let it Suffer. play to its conclusion and then you realize that it's over and you go and put on something else. We should take more advantage of that captive audience. I'm going to launch like a, a music career. I'm going to close out every show with a little ditty for everyone. I, I think if if they're here for like the first 45 minutes, we probably got them for the entirety of the cast unless like their drive ends, you know? Right. And then they just won't come back. But, well, maybe. Uh, a week is a long time, man. You might just forget that you had like a, a, a crappy experience last time. But- Fingers crossed. That's how we keep the podcast going. We just have them forget they hated the last one. But yeah, you know, if, if you're trying to maximize on like ads, it's just like once you hit the 45 minute mark, just start playing an ad every two minutes or something, you know, and that'll get them. I know a lot of podcasts who take that advice to heart. Uh, yeah, not, not here. Not here, baby. Ad free. Yeah. Almost always. Almost always. Unless it's something we believe in, which is not much, but <laughs> true. Very true. But uh, if, if you're a, a, a dope sponsor, and somehow made it this far and want to give us money we would we would happily play your ad if you weren't garbage
We, we could use some money. Yes, that would be nice. It would be bad. Sign us out, Brian. It's your turn. I've done it so much. Game. Good luck.